You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for another week of random rewatches. And we're not so random this week because if you listened to last week in our return episode, we covered the Canadian medical drama Saving Hope, Season 1, Episode 1. We are here to cover Season 1, Episode 2 of Saving Hope, titled Contact. So we're breaking our random rule, but this will probably still be the last Saving Hope or will it? We don't know. Um, this is the first time we've even recorded two episodes from the same series in these random rewatches. Uh, I think next week we will have something new because it'll be Rossi's choice. But uh, just going back in time to last week, I did mention that uh, there was a lot that was missing from the premiere that I thought was in there. So we had to cover this one. So if you happen to watch the premiere of Saving Hope last week from 2012... You're in for a treat because we're going chronologically here. Uh, We're going to, I guess, cover everything we can talk about this in two episodes. Uh, So let's get it going. My name is Colin, and are you familiar with coma arousal therapy? And my name is Rossi, and I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. Uh, I'm I'm biting, so that's probably the reason you're. I'm a zombie. Uh. <laughs> Wrong show. Uh, uh, but let's uh, just kind of recap last week. So if you didn't listen to it, Saving Hope is uh, a Canadian medical slash supernatural drama uh, that aired on CTV for five seasons. But uh, the first season did air on NBC and then was dropped. And then eventually came back on some cable network in America. So. A lot of Canadians will be familiar with this. I had not seen much of season one since it originally aired. I think I'd seen some of like season two and three when it was in reruns. Uh, But it was my first time going back. And as I was watching it, I'm like, well, what about Charlie's ex-wife? And what about Maggie and Joel getting it on? And all these other things. And what about coma arousal therapy? And Charlie communicating and, and, you know, breaking through to the real world. All this stuff. Here it is. It's in episode two. So we had to cover this one. And uh, I'm glad we are because now I feel like, okay, we're complete. This is what people need, episode one and two, to really get the gist of the show. And if you didn't join us last week, the basic premise is the lead character, or one of the two, the two lead characters are an engaged couple played by uh, Erica Durant from Smallville and Michael Shanks, most well known from Stargate. uh, But he was also on Smallville for the final season. And they're, of course, two great Canadian actors who did this show about a couple of doctors who on their wedding night or on their way to their wedding, the night of their wedding, uh, they get in a bit of a car accident and then he slips into a coma. He basically spends the show in a coma outside of his own body, walking the hospital, communicating with other people who are either dead or in a coma and everybody else on the outside is trying to figure out, well, how do we get him out of this coma? Well, of course, adding in there all the regular things you get from medical dramas, like children biting and women who don't want operations and all that stuff. So you watched episode one last week, and uh, episode one, of course, I was surprised. I'm like, oh, it's missing so much. So I kind of had the feeling Rossi's going to be like, yeah, I just don't quite get this show. So I had already pre-planned. We have to watch episode two just so people get it. But you kind of liked episode one. Now that you've seen episode two, is it different from what you thought it was going to be? Are you getting more out of it? Do you enjoy it more or less? I don't know. It's so tricky because uh, you told me and the last episode we covered that he doesn't stay in the coma state ghost parallel mm-hmm. universe forever. Yeah. 
So it's hard because I know like, I know that watching this, so it's hard to say that I love this episode. Uh, I was, I, I did tell you when I watched the preview after the last episode, I thought I was really interested in this episode because of the whole making contact with the living world mm-hmm. and everything. Um, it was a good episode. I don't know if it motivated me to love the show as much as I was high on it the first episode. It maybe waned a little bit, but I'm still high on the show. I think it's interesting. Um, I do worry, like if I was to keep watching, like I feel like it would just get turned into like a Grey's Anatomy and ER, like, and I would just be like, okay, what's different? Like, the first season seems so special because it's this guy in the coma, but he's there and he sees it, like all this kind of stuff. So I feel like if I didn't have that, maybe I wouldn't love it as much. But it's been good; it's been great. I've been enjoying it. Uh, so we will get into a little bit of spoilers without giving away too much. But as Rossi said, and uh, I think if people there was the worry when this show came on the air I guess a lot of viewers kind of had the assumption this is going to be five years of a guy in a coma do I really have the patience for this so the first season is basically him in the coma however they do find a way to retain the uh the supernatural connection past this and it it evolves into different things but um without going to too many spoilers, you keep watching past season one. I mean, you still get the same show. It's just, it's not him in a coma. It's something different. And no, he's not dead. It's just, you will want to keep watching if uh, you're interested peaked. And I think what's good about the first season and why the first season would be, you know, uh, good for somebody to at least watch all the way through until you get, because I feel like the last two episodes, particularly the finale, it plays out as if this were a mini series. Uh, so you could watch all of season one, feel like you have some type of uh, conclusion, you have some closure, uh, and then they throw a twist in there in the end where you're like, ooh, I kind of like where this is going now, and it does become something different. Uh, if you make it through season two, season three just becomes more dramatic with a person like that. Yes, it does become more of like a Grey's Anatomy show, but it gets so into the personal lives in a way that gets way more dramatic. They introduce uh, Alex's brother. That's Erica Durant's character. They introduce her brother in the third season. And there's a lot of drama that comes along with him. Uh, There's some rifts between the different characters and couples on the show. Some really unexpected turns. And if somebody makes it through the third season, I would say stop. Because what I will say is we will eventually, I don't know when, because this is random. We switch it up every week. But at some point... I'm definitely going to go back and pick the season three finale of Saving Hope. So we'll eventually get there. Uh, And that's where I feel like the show should have ended, although there are some interesting things that happen after that. But more than anything, what I like in this episode, and it's it's more something looking back, knowing where everything went, were the changes in the characters we see. And I guess some of the new characters that come in here that don't get much of an introduction. Because last week, I mean, let's just start by talking about... uh, I guess would be considered one of the four leads uh, of these early seasons. You have Alex, you have Charlie, the couple, you have Joel, who's Alex's ex-boyfriend, uh, who's played by Winnipeg actor who went to New Zealand, like many Winnipegers tend to do. Uh, and then you have Maggie, who's the, I guess she becomes more the friend of Alex, but she's the younger female doctor that in the first episode was just kind of neurotic and very nervous and afraid to do anything. And here in this episode, she's a completely different character. So what's your take on Maggie as a character? I guess coming off the first episode, where did you expect her character was going to go or who she was going to be on the show? And then what did you notice that was a little bit different with her this time? 
Is it the same woman? It is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, did I miss something major that I like didn't pick up no. on? Um, <laughs> I did know that it was like a different character. It felt very different. You know, I we talked about her being so uh, weird, mm-hmm. like and uncomfortable and unsure to the first moment in this episode she's yelling at the guy mm-hmm. like hey we're in line here and it was just like where's the shift she was so much more confident now uh i don't know if it's a problem maybe it's just first episode blues or, or something but i just i don't know i really love the character she's probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. um just because i haven't quite fallen in love with the the leads yet um as it's only been two episodes and this random nurse or not nurse doctor is just i don't know i love her I don't know what the major thing other than all of a sudden she has a personality, but <laughs> so am I missing something? <laughs> well, I, I will mention, I I think I mentioned this last week. I hated Maggie throughout the entire run of the show, and she's on all five seasons, although I think she leaves, like, the way this final season is, they kind of start wrapping up characters' stories. Instead of having this massive finale where you have to tie up all the loose ends of all the characters they slowly in the last couple episodes started writing other characters out. So by the end, it basically was just sort of Alex and Charlie's story again. Uh, I never liked Maggie as a character. And I'd be interested to keep watching this now, you know, that I have gone back and watched the first two episodes to see if that holds up. Because in this episode, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, maybe I was wrong about Maggie. Maybe she's a great character. And I'll I'll spoil a little bit of some of the stuff that comes up later on that became annoying to me. But the, the biggest difference is she went from being this kind of very intimidated you know young doctor who didn't want to do anything and in this like you said in the first scene she's extremely ballsy she's yelling at joel and then in the same breath basically turning to gavin who's the resident psychiatrist uh just saying it's like oh i really want to bone this guy and then she still yells at him some more and then the next time she meets him she's yelling at him even more and obviously by the end of this episode they introduce the idea that maggie and joel are going to kind of be a couple. Although she did have a great line, which I, I I remembered this for the introduction of her having a thing for him, and I thought it dragged out longer. But by the end of this episode, they're having sex. <laughs> That's basically one of the final moments of the episode. What was your giveaway? Oh, <laughs> when they're in the uh, OR, and he's saying, <laughs> I feel like you have a crush on me, and I think it's kind of inappropriate. She goes, I don't have a crush on you, but I would do you, and just walks out of the room. I'm like, you know, maybe I'm wrong about Maggie, but I will say she she's with Joel for a lot of the season. She's also with another character in this season. Uh, and by the end of the series, I honestly believe Maggie has slept with every character on the show, man oh. or woman, uh, with the exception of the two leads, I think, unless I remember <laughs> wrong. So she kind of just becomes a very promiscuous character. But what annoyed me more was that if they had just made that her character, like what we're seeing here, you know, she is very ballsy. She's, you know, very, very inappropriate. I mean, this is basically workplace sexual harassment. I mean, can you imagine anybody in your workplace or any workplace saying, oh, I don't have a crush on you, but I would do you. I'm like, that's grounds for getting fired right there. Joel, of course, you're going to come to realize this type of guy. He doesn't care. Um but they try to make her like the underdog character and they introduce these things later on where, where she wants to specialize in certain types of medicine. That, that All that stuff I couldn't have cared less about. And when they do get involved in her personal life and relationships, they always try to play it like she's just some regular character. I'm like, man, this woman sleeps around more than Joel does. So I just wish they had 
pick that one thing to focus on her character, the depth they try to give her doesn't quite work for me. But yeah, I'll agree with you. I was surprised that I actually really liked Ballsy Maggie at the beginning. And is the one that she's trying to she gets with at the end, was that the one that was uh, the fill-in for the coma guy? The fill-in for the coma guy. Was Who's the fill-in for the Where coma? he had to do the, the, the PTSD guy last episode, had the, the arm or whatever. Oh, you, are, so are you talking and about... And the guy came in to fill in, and he was unhappy that the fill-in came in. Or, oh, I just well, don't the fill-in was so. Joel. That's the guy she sleeps with in this episode. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to make sure I know who everyone is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I should just should give descriptions, not names. Mr. Winnipeg, New Zealander. Yeah. That's the guy who's the fill-in. <laughs> Alex's esque boyfriend and Maggie's, you know, uh, I know her. little friend. <laughs> uh, but the other guy, which I will spoil, gets introduced again in this episode, although he was in the first, is the psychiatrist who she's, when Joel's cutting line, is the one that uh, she's talking to. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in this season she ends up with him as well, or maybe him and Joel at the same time. Who knows? But he's not long for the show because I, I found him, again, extremely annoying. It's funny, I keep going on about how much I love this show and how much these characters annoy me. He was definitely, I think, more annoying in the first episode because they made him very quirky and like he was always trying to be funny. But it's just, it's a character I never quite got. And the one thing I will give the show credit for is when characters didn't work, they they were smart enough to write them out. So he's the other guy. Um, a couple of the other characters get introduced here that I guarantee you blink and you miss it. Uh, there's Dr. Raycraft, who is briefly introduced here, and um, he, he just is, I guess, would be the resident uh, show-off doctor. He's the guy who's all about, you know, hey, I want this surgery because it's a good thing to put on my resume and doesn't really care about patients. And then you have Zach, who's uh, the other um, the handsome, tall, white doctor. <laughs> who briefly gets introduced here. He becomes a very good character later on. Um, and then the two main ones I'll save uh, for last. So we have, I'm trying to remember her name, but she's the one who's filling in for Charlie now as like the chief of surgery. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar. Did you ever watch the Santa Claus movies? Um, no. You've never seen Tim Allen's Santa Claus movies? Uh, maybe. Oh, you gotta watch it. Okay, anyway, so Wendy Crewson, who plays Tim Allen's ex-wife in the Santa Claus movies, uh, she plays the one who takes over for Charlie as the chief of medicine. Alex has a conversation with her later on about, you know, I didn't get the, you know, uh, resident job or whatever because... Uh, I was with Charlie, and I I don't want you know that to affect anything. You you do know the character I'm talking about there, right? Yes, I follow. Okay, good. Um, so she's another great Canadian actress who I think only kind of filled in in a few episodes here and there, and then uh, was written out of the show and then written back in, and also becomes a major character in the show and one of the best characters by like the final couple seasons. She's great. And then the final one, who I would easily pick as, I guess, next to Charlie, my all-time favorite character on Saving Hope, and one of the best characters I've ever seen on medical drama, and that's Charlie's ex-wife, Dawn. Uh, so what's your takeaway from any of these main characters, but I guess primarily the uh, Wendy Crewson character and then Dawn, the ex-wife? I was so down on the 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 new boss lady. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. She just came across really unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like when uh, God, I can't remember anyone's name, yeah. but the female lead Alice. goes in to the office and it says 
just so you know, I worked hard. He didn't just give me this position, yeah. whatever. And she's like, I don't expect any privileges or blah, 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 blah. And she was just like, okay. Like, <laughs> she didn't, like, I don't know. Just, like, no empathy there at all. No, and any emotion, really. It just was very, like, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't sit right. Um, other than that, I really have nothing to say because she really wasn't too much in this episode. Yeah, like and, she's introduced, but she becomes much bigger later on. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I can only imagine what she gets her stealth into. Um, and then for the ex-wife, she was a weirdo. Um, <laughs> I have no other way to put it, but she was so weird. Uh, and their relationship is so odd. I like can't even explain it because she... They give a hug at the beginning. They start talking about the treatments. And then she's like, well, you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You're not touching him. And it was just like, what is going on? <laughs> what, is she, what is she saying? Why are there headphones? I did like the scene when he's standing over the, the main character standing over some guy in the waiting room reading the newspaper or whatever. And then he hears music and he's like, what is mm-hmm. that? And then it's like a long drawn out thing to finally realize that he, she put headphones on him. I thought that was cool. But um, yeah, she was a weirdo. I don't know what, what her deal is. So I just love the idea, especially in this first season, because they, they mentioned in the first episode that Charlie doesn't have any immediate family. So it's like, well, what do we do with him? They were on their way to the wedding. So Alex is not his wife yet. So she doesn't count as immediate family. So his next of kin is his ex-wife. And just bringing her into the show where you have somebody that could kind of be at odds at Alec, with Alex. And that becomes, I guess, a major plot point throughout the season is like, Dawn can call the shots, but should she? Because she's already divorced from the guy and Alex would be the obvious choice. But legally, it's still his ex-wife. Her being a doctor as well, uh, she she sticks around on the show throughout it. Um, and, and like so many of the characters on the show, they introduce her in a way, like you said, where she's a real weirdo. And you really get the impression as the show starts to progress and as her character starts to develop that she's actually maybe a weirdo but in a different way than you'd expect she's kind of like a crazy cat lady <laughs> very lonely lady who you know lives by herself um not really a pleasant person as you kind of get the impression in this episode she's just somebody who's always misunderstood because she doesn't present herself in like a very sociable way uh but they get into a lot of like her relationship with Charlie and uh, also, as you mentioned, the, the ideas she has, it's like, well, why aren't you doing this? And that's where the coma arousal therapy comes in, which I think gets introduced in episode three. Uh, and that's everything from like, okay, you, you have to touch the person. You have to try to even sexually arouse the person. And she believes in this. And it's not even so much that Dawn is like this, you know, weird new agey doctor where she's like, oh, try all these weird things. It's just, why wouldn't you try everything? You know, and she kind of has a point in this episode. I mean, I feel like if Jamie went into a coma, I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to do coma arousal therapy first thing. But, like, at some point you're going to be like, you know, let's tr- – she's just lying here anyways. She's not waking up. i got all the time in the world. Why don't you try whatever you can? Um, and then the, the other thing uh, where they introduce the music, as you said – that kind of bridged into the the thing that I felt was missing a little bit from the first episode, which is just how Charlie connects with the real world and this sort of roaming the hospital spirit world. Because you put headphones on his head and he can hear music, but yet, even though his body's there, he's looking around the hospital saying, where is this coming from? Uh, that along with, I guess, him being able to interact with the other patients more. So 
I can't even remember. It's been a whole week, you know, how much interaction he had. I think there was like one dead guy that he talked to in the first episode. But here we have somebody who's not dead. Charlie doesn't understand the rules yet, as he says. He's like, um, well, I think I mostly see dead people, but I'm not dead and you're not dead. So I don't know. I'm still figuring this out. And there's this kid that he gets to talk with. So uh, how do you feel about the uh, the way that the show handles this spirit world and particularly in this episode where I really feel like they kind of hit on everything that it would become about with his power later on that you can have somebody who's still alive and being treated and he's sort of on the other side and then how do you deal with that? It was very interesting um, with this kid coming in and out of spirit realm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know what to call it. Uh, But I mean, I get why they had this kid there, you know, as a way to explain away the the reasoning behind it, or the the logic of where they are as he's figuring it out without him talking to himself, mm-hmm. um, saying, "Well, why am I here? What is this?" Uh, but it's interesting. I'm not quite sure, like, because so far, I mean, obviously we're only two episodes in, but it's interesting that we've had dead people and then this one other kid mm-hmm. who was dead. So he's the only person that we've actively seen in a, like in this halfway house of coma or awareness. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a halfway house of awareness. That's great description. <laughs> I just, you know what I'm saying? Because there's no everyone else has been dead because mm-hmm. the kid died multiple times and then came back. Yeah, that's why he was fading in and out. Mm-hmm. But the other people we saw last episode were dead, so it's just a little weird to get your mind around it i'm curious to know or see if they have these other comatose people or halfway house people coming in i'm I'm just curious at this point i thought that even like when i was watching this originally that even the first season they'd start to run out of ideas for well what do you do with charlie he's not really there you can't spend 12 episodes having him trying to communicate with people saying hey i'm over here guys uh you can't have 12 episodes of him solving problems around a hospital with people who aren't going to remember him if they are conscious or are already dead and i think they really hit a good balance throughout even just the first season because i'd say it's split between really three things you have a third of the time it's people who are maybe in a coma or in an unconscious state and he's trying to help them with something maybe it's just a personal thing like you know you know when you eventually do get back what are you going to do about this crazy person in your life that's you know right now trying to pull the plug on you uh sometimes it's a person who's dead who's just not disappearing and he's like hey you know i'm starting i've been encountering more and more of you people and usually if somebody's still here at the hospital it's because there's something that they need to figure out before they can sort of pass into the afterlife And then it gets into those people's personal lives. And the times where it's most interesting is like this, where a person's being treated and him in the spirit world kind of is trying to figure it out along with them. And there are episodes that come up later on where somebody will be in uh, the middle of surgery and Charlie's watching the surgery with this person. And that person maybe is saying, oh, you know, uh, you know, I, there's this one thing I'm allergic to, just as an example. It's usually more dramatic than that. And Charlie's like, wait a second. They're, they're giving you the wrong drug right now. And then he's like, we have to figure out a way to stop this. And the way I'm describing it, it sounds like it would be terribly cheesy, but it can get really intense when Charlie 
communicating with these people, maybe if they're unconscious or in a coma, knows something the other doctors don't. And it's like, I can tell you, but when you get back, as you see with this kid, when Charlie does get uh, uh, through to him and say, when you wake up, I need you to tell Alex this. And the kid doesn't quite remember everything. It's just sort of this vague thing. And that's another one of the things I think kept me hooked in the first season, even though it was a slower build where I'm like, ooh, they're doing something a little different. This kid wakes up and he's drawing a picture of himself in the OR and there's the guy in the tux. And Alex is like, this is really weird. Like, this looks like Charlie. And the kid the kid doesn't remember anything else. Like, I don't know. It's just it's just something I felt like I had to draw. So, so they do play with it a lot. And I think they get a lot of mileage out of it. This is, I think, for me, the best examples when it is, you know, a kid. And he doesn't do much to solve this kid's problem here. But when they can go as far as even having Charlie knows how to save, save this person, but they don't. And they're about to make a terrible mistake. Yeah, it was a, a little weird how they handled it. Like, I liked the whole thing about him saying, hey, passes on. And, like, I, I get it makes sense that, like, he can't remember exactly everything because, you know, physically he was dead. But also, you know, it's I, I get why they did that. Mm-hmm. But it would really frustrate me when she's, like, talking to that nurse at the very end mm-hmm. or whoever it was. And she's like, James Bond wears a suit. Yeah. Like, anyone wears a suit. And it was just like... That's your justification for dismissing her correct feeling. Like, I just didn't like the way that they resolved that. Like, they had this super long sort of storyline of him coming in and out of aliveness and deadness to talk to the guy to then get it put away by other people wear suits. And it's just Mr. Pina. So like, it, the picture yeah. doesn't have a monocle on it. Excuse me. Yeah, it doesn't say his name, so I can't. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Like grieving woman, I don't believe you because James Bond wears it's, it. Was so stupid, but I liked that. I loved that. I mean, that moment where she he draws the thing and she stands right in front of him. Yeah, which was in the preview. I remember seeing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what hooked me onto wanting to watch this episode when I talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so good that I couldn't not like you couldn't not continue because. That's really compelling. But the end, oh, they just ruined it at the end. There is a point in this season where, and I'm trying to remember it completely, but I don't. But I know there is a point where somebody can see him even though they're not in a coma. Where, and I don't remember if Alex is in the room or something like that, but there's other people around and they're like, oh, who's the guy in the tux in the corner? You know, stuff like that. And he's like, wait, you can see me? And. I, I don't feel like that becomes a huge thing, but I do remember that from this season. So it's always fun. And uh, I, I don't want to spoil anything here, but I feel like the way that they handle stuff like this in season two actually gets even more intense. Whereas here it's sort of like, you know, are, are they going to figure it out? The way it happens from season two and on is more like really intense and like has you on the edge of your seat just because of the way the show is presented, which I'll ask you off air how much you know about what happens at the end of this year. Just to spoil something when does he at what point in the show does he get out of this spirit world halfway it's, house it's yeah, the halfway house of afterlife <laughs> um it's i believe in the final episode it's either the second last or the last episode of the season so you do have to wait to the end of season one of season one yeah okay yeah so the season two will become something different okay. um let me check my notes see if we forgot anything else so we have the b stories 
uh, not bees as in bumbles, but B as in <laughs> less of bumble the beast. Oh, I think well the B movie, you know. <laughs> what? I watch too many kids movies around this house now. It's only going to get worse. Um, <laughs> it's not Peppa Pig. It's yeah. Saving Hope. <laughs> Uh, oh, also the, the the whole thing with Charlie squeezing the hand at the end, like that was a good tease for the next episode as well, which probably is what leads her in the next episode to take off her top and straddle him and do some coma arousal therapy, which the preview had me interested in. Which I don't know if you saw the preview on the end of this. I did not catch this preview. <laughs> I don't know what movie you were watching, Colin. <laughs> oh, I, I meant when I originally watched because I can still remember watching. Say, yeah, this show's pretty good, and then they showed the preview the next week and. The preview shows Erica Durant's take off her top and climb on top. I'm like, ooh, let's check this out next week, Jamie. Let's see where this is going. Um, so I guess the two stories, just the regular medical stuff that goes on no, in just here. just boring medical stuff. Yeah, just the things that you could get on Crazy Anatomy. Um, you have the, the girl with the weird stomach pains and due to religious convictions or whatever, she can't receive any type of medication or surgery or whatever it is. I can't remember. Uh, that's get a blood transfusion. A blood transfusion, yeah. Uh, and then there was the kid who obviously we talked a lot about how Charlie interacted with this kid in the spirit, the the, the halfway house of spirit world or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> and, and basically, this kid you know has to go through this operation. And uh, early on, he bites Alex. Is it Alex or who does he bite? I don't remember. He bites some other special doctor. She was wearing special. purple. That's all I remember. He bites the specialist. Um, ugh, sorry, burping as usual. <laughs> uh, so this, I just want to tell a little side story here. Did I mention last week about Casper's accident? Uh, maybe, but it's been a week. Refresh no, it's the been audience. A week. Okay. So Casper <laughs> was at daycare uh, at the point we're recording this, you know, a couple, maybe two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago. And um, I guess right at the end of the day, I get a call and they said, uh, so Casper had a bit of an accident and he hit his head and yeah, we think you better come get him. We think he's going to need stitches. Now I wasn't with Jamie, but I'm like, okay, well, she's already on her way there. I'll call her. I'll let her know. She didn't get the message. So she walks in to see him gushing blood from his forehead, not letting anybody touch him or, you know, uh, comfort him or anything like that. We have taken the hospital and as much as, you know, I think you could praise Canada for having free medical care. I think what often gets ignored and a show like saving hope here doesn't do any justice when everybody's out their own room uh, is that along with free medical care for everybody means you show up at the hospital with a kid whose head is split open a couple of inches and his skull is visible and he's not even three years old. You wait for seven hours before anybody touches him. So that's the downside of free medical care for everybody is that we show up at the hospital at 5.30 in the afternoon, and we get out of there at almost 1 o'clock in the morning. But imagine trying to keep a kid busy that entire time who has not had a nap, who's really not in the mood to eat, who's okay with running around every once in a while, but every once in a while just breaks into tears for no reason. And eventually you give them stitches. So Casper is extremely strong for a kid. First of all, he's almost the size of a 5-year-old despite not being 3 yet. Uh, and we eventually get into a room, which what you don't see on Saving Hope, Canadian medical care, they'll put you wherever they can fit you. And we're in the cast room. So this is where they would put a cast on a person. Uh, it's basically a tiny room. There's crutches, like probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 pairs of crutches leaned up against the walls all around. Not very well lit. 
and they keep coming and saying we're gonna as soon as we have some doctors and nurses available we're gonna come in because we can tell we need to hold this kid down and after about 45 minutes of waiting in the cast room they eventually come and said listen we could be in here all night waiting for a proper room with proper lighting we're just gonna make it work in here uh so they bring a nurse in and we have like a resident doctor you know somebody like let's say maggie and they bring in the full-fledged doctor who's on duty he looks at the room and says, hey i guess we're gonna uh give somebody stitches he looks at the room literally his head throws itself back and he goes Ugh, as he looks at the room he says um okay uh maybe if we put his head underneath this light here and you hold him in this position we could do it so it ended up being me and jamie holding down his legs and arms a nurse steadying his shoulders the resident doctor holding his head while the other doctor did stitches so in total what's the math on that five people holding down a toddler uh so i can understand a kid fighting and biting because he did bite me uh, <laughs> and yeah this one really rang true for me but that's just a glimpse into what canadian hospitals are actually like um not like on saving hope but uh have you ever had a child bite you uh not in recent memory <laughs> have you ever had stitches I think so a while ago, but I can't. <laughs> I cannot recall a story of crutches and <laughs> one a.m. curtain calls or whatever. I am so curious though, because again, Canada and the United States. We're getting on a different topic here, but we got a few minutes. <laughs> Very to go. related to the yeah. episode. <laughs> a few minutes to go, we can make it work here. Uh, I think Canadians have one idea about what American, you know, uh, hospitals or even medical. Uh, coverage and care is like and I think Americans have an idea of what Canadian hospitals and medical care is like and they're probably not either accurate if you have to go to the hospital like what what does it is it like on TV can you get in right away do you ever have a seven and a half hour wait when your skull is visible I haven't been recently (laughs) ever (laughs) recently (laughs) I've not been in recent memory so thankfully um but I definitely think they don't have that long waits. I know you definitely have to wait. You have to check in if you're not, you know, emergency like, mm-hmm. like, like that woman who with the leg and the transfusion. Yeah. Like, unless you're in that sort of horrific state, they're not going to rush you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like there's never been, from what I, I can remember, super long. Like maybe people are yelling at me right now that <laughs> there is long wait. I I don't know. I just can't remember ever hearing about people waiting hours and hours and out like i know people wait like it's you have to wait but mm. i never hear it super long well uh. I, I, well the way i kind of figure it is that you know in america i guess you have to pay for at least insurance for your own uh, medical care is that right yes so whether that be you have it private or through a work plan or something like that that's kind of the way it goes Sure. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, here in Canada, everybody's given a health card, and that's all you need. There are some things that you may have to pay for, like certain types of prescriptions. If you call an ambulance, like somebody told us afterwards, you know, if you had called an ambulance, they would have to treat you because anybody coming in an ambulance, regardless of the situation, is given immediate care. And we're like, yeah, but that's one thing we have to pay for here. We'd be sent a bill for $200, $300 just for being picked up by an ambulance. 
<coughs> but if you walk into an ER, I mean, there was one, it was just, it was a crazy night all around. So, I mean, some people are going to say it's not like this everywhere in Canada and it probably isn't, but there was a girl who was there for probably three or four hours and then she started having a seizure and they said, all right, we might as well get her in there now. This is getting worse. <laughs> um, but it'll differ from province to province as well. Like I think Manitoba, where I am, has the highest wait times in all of Canada. And at one point, I think it was like nine hours. Uh, but the average is probably seven hours to get treatment at ER. I mean, if it's free, what I think ends up happening in Canada is you get people going there because they have a bad cough. And that is what happens. Something you could normally go to, uh, you know, just a regular walk-in clinic for people go to the ER for because they figure, well, I mean, this uh, it could be something serious or they don't want to wait at a walk-in and don't realize you're going to wait longer in the ER. But that comes as a result of it's free, you don't have to pay for it, so I might as well go get checked out. Whereas I feel like in America, if you are paying even the slightest bit, you're maybe going to be a little bit more cautious. So I guess different drawbacks one way or the other, you have to pay versus here you don't, but you're going to have to wait a long time. So, uh, I mean, if... If you ever injure yourself in Canada, maybe cross the border if it's a you know something you want to get treatment for immediately. I'll uh, head to Fargo. Yeah, if hey, if I'm if I'm you know uh, right on the border and I want to get treated right away and I have a couple hundred dollars you know to spare, I might go to Fargo uh, versus if you live in Fargo and uh, well, you're not going to get treated here, so never mind. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Essays on Canadian versus American medical care. Uh, I'm sure we're getting yelled at by the doctors. Yeah. (laughs) That's not the way it is. Uh, So let's just get on with it here. What do you want to do? What did you buy last week? Did you rent it? What did you do? Uh, Roll the tape. I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) Let's just compare last week's to this week's episode. So, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to buy it, rent it, and bin it? And then how did you feel about this one compared to last week? I definitely was higher on last week's than I was this week. Although I like the characters more this week. Mm-hmm. No, it's just so hard to to say. like, Because there's this second side of the show that I don't even know about where everyone's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm definitely high on the show. High on the episodes. I'm probably just going to... What are you doing? Are you buying it? Um, Again, I don't remember what I did last week. I'm going to give this a loose buy because I kind of agree with everything you say. And maybe for me, because I have seen the rest of the show, it was nice to go back and see where the characters really were introduced. Like, Even though some of them change. In, in the first episode, characters like Maggie get no time at all i mean she has like maybe two scenes and here you get an idea of where she's going to go and then the fact they introduced two of the better characters with dawn the ex-wife and then dana the replacement charlie um (laughs) i think as a fan of what will come later on i will buy this episode but i do agree with you story wise and hook wise the first episode definitely had it over this one but i i just love seeing how the characters develop from one episode to the next and i love how many of the things they introduced in this episode that uh, you know, I thought was in the first one. All right. I'll agree with you. I'll soft buy it. All right. <laughs> it's a double soft buy. Um, yes. Expert reviews from the halfway house of the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they said on the show, right? <laughs> Did they? they might have. I don't know. 
Uh, I was too distracted by coma arousal therapy, which maybe we'll talk about preview for next week. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, if if people are interested by this, it's, it's uh, an interesting Canadian show that uh, better than corner. Well, completely different show, but as far as Canadian, (laughs) as far as Canadian dramas go, uh, it is one of the better ones. I think of the recent ones, Uh, but we are going to move on. We're going back to random episodes. It's, because I got two weeks in a row with We're Saving Hope 1 and 2. I mean, if, if that's your choice for next week, I'm up for Como Arousal <laughs> Therapy. Let's go with it. Oh, if not... No, we can't watch. No, no, no. <laughs> episode 4. <laughs> um, if not, Rossi, you get two choices two weeks in a row. Ooh. So what are we doing next week? So much pressure. Um, I don't have to do both right now. I can just do one. No. <laughs> one for now. One. We'll announce okay. next week the next one. Um. We are going to a show that is violent, a show that is graphic, a show that is apocalyptic. Um, no halfway houses there. Um, we're going to enter the Badlands. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to be watching Into the Badlands, um, season two, episode four, if you're that curious. Uh, and yeah, we're just going to watch that. I, I don't know. I can't tease much more. Um, unless you have more teasing you want to do uh no all i'll say is i remember when the show came out i don't remember really seeing it or even knowing anything about it because when i read the plot description i'm like ah i don't think i ever knew anything about the show but yet i would see ads for it all the time on amc uh and i didn't realize i guess this show is over now isn't it it's the like it did a half like it AMC does these things where they'll oh they'll start a season and they'll have it like the second half yeah I remember they used to do that with Mad Men Mm -hmm. so I think they're starting the second half of season three now okay as we're recording um yeah I mean it sounds like an interesting concept and I didn't realize it was from the creators of Smallville uh so we'll we'll get into it next week (laughs) enter enter the Badlands (laughs) Uh, that's coming next week so make sure to like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes Stitcher, Google Podcasts something else I'm sure uh, as always my name is Colin and Coma Arousal Therapy and my name is Rossi hey, I wasn't finished reading that thank you for listening to the Oz Network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.